You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. So don't call us heroes for something else. We're legends. Who writes this crap anyway? The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome back to Time Masters, the unofficial DC's Legends of Tomorrow podcast, a poppychuloradio.com original series. Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Tuesday, October 23rd, 2018, and I am your host, Michael Pena. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the CW series, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. But first, let me welcome my awesome co-host for the day, excuse me, for the night, Jeffrey Aruz. Hey, Time Masters. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, Jeffrey. Ready for a whole new season of Legends. Of course. All right, that's good. I like the enthusiasm. Let's jump right into our recap of Season 4, Episode 1, which is titled The Virgin Gary and aired on October 22nd. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. After the legends defeat Mollus and wipe the final anachronism from time, they find themselves in an unfamiliar territory with the Time Bureau. All that changes when Constantine informs Sarah of a new magical threat that leads the team to Woodstock. Constantine thinks he knows how to defeat the new threat, but will need the help of the team and their special klepto talents to help with the spell. Meanwhile, Nate and Rory Go on an adventure, leaving Nate facing someone from his past. Now let's check in on the ratings of for Season 4, Episode 1. The episode was viewed by just over a million total viewers and was 0.3 in the demo rating. So I would say what's everyone's initial reaction to the episode, but Jess, it's just me and you. What was your initial reaction to the season premiere of Season 4? I really loved it, not gonna lie, I think this was probably my most favorite season premiere of Legends. I just thought it was fun, it was uh, classic Legends, very campy, very over the top, but with a lot of heart, uh, a little bit of romance, a little bit of naughtiness, it just, it was perfect, and I liked how they closed one chapter which we'll get into, and they opened up this brand new magical, mystical, supernatural chapter. I liked it a lot. Awesome, that's, that's good to hear. Uh, same here, I, I really enjoyed the episode a lot. I thought it did a lot of good things. It was different, as in it didn't rush into the new big event, or I guess what the new storylines are going to be. It kind of, like you mentioned, it wrapped up the previous season closing that off and then they slowly went into like okay what do we do now what what have they been doing what do they want to do and explores them more independently as we saw you know relationships got explored more which was uh which i'll talk about later is that i found that pretty interesting for them to go more in depth into the relationship of sharp and and sarah so, but before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of DC's Legends of Tomorrow, here's our announcer Gideon with a few special announcements. Thank you, Captain Michael. We have an incoming communique from the Time Bureau. 
Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. End of transmission. Back to you, my captain. Thanks, Gideon. All right, so, Jeff, as you mentioned, this is one of your favorite episodes. Please explain, in your opinion, why this is the better premiere for DC's Legends. Well, I thought that the writing was really good. I also liked the various interactions. I feel like a lot of our characters opened up a lot. It's not that we didn't know these characters, but uh, this time we got a little bit more of where they are emotionally. I also like the teases of uh, particular storylines that are going to be coming up. And uh, I liked how we, as I mentioned, we closed the chapter of the anachronisms. So you never have to say that word again. And uh, we're going to open the door to the magical. And uh, if what we saw today was kind of a taste of what the magical is, then I'm here for it. You know, I love that they're reinterpreting these mythological creatures into sort of like evil demonic type of things. Like, slight spoilers, but if you've seen the trailer for the season, you know this. Like, in the next episode, we're going to have a demented fairy godmother. So... If they're going to do this, you know, take unicorns and fairy godmothers and I don't know what else and, and turn them into sort of evil things or at least doing evil type of things. I'm kind of here for that. I really like that. No, yeah, I, I got to agree with you. It's it interesting that they're going to go that far into the magical, mythical realm for this season. And and as we always say, I feel like we say it every season for DC's Legends is that they can it's, this is the only show that can kind of pull off the far fetch and make it entertaining and and as well a little more realistic in this universe with these group of heroes. You know, I think it would be mocking the Flash if they had this or even Arrow. You know, but like wow, that's completely cheesy and you know campy, very dumb. But they found these group of actors and these group of heroes and these group of writers can pull this off. Now. As you mentioned, let's just jump right into it. I mean, the bad guy, unexpected bad guy, or evil mythical creature in this episode was the known and beloved unicorn. I mean, I was caught off guard. I did not expect that until when I saw the pile of slides. I'm like, okay, it's rainbowish. It's got to be a unicorn. I did not think of a killing unicorn, like a death apocalyptic unicorn. What was your reactions when they revealed the Killing Beast was this beautiful, enchanted creature? 
it was a surprise. I kind of got the hint with the um, the unicorn poop that we saw, or whatever you want to call that, because it reminded me of, I don't know if you've ever seen the commercial for the Squatty Potty, where it's the unicorn uh, pooping, and, and it, oh. it's like the rainbow ice cream. <laughs> but it reminded me a little bit of that. And then when we saw it, I thought the VFX were beautiful like initially when it looked like just magical and majestic i thought they did a really great job of like the um i don't even know what you would call it like the main was almost like like glitter and and um you know blowing in the wind and then then there were like these little butterflies multicolored butterflies all around it i thought that was beautiful but then once we got like a close-up to how evil and uh, demonic this being was like i thought the teeth were really cool um not to get too far into it but later on when they're defeating it like i thought all those effects were really cool so if they have a bit of a budget because i think they're gonna need it especially if they're doing the magical and the mystical this season uh it looks like they do have the budget to create some uh, visually impressive creatures no i I agree and especially with uh bebo you know, I feel like they have the talents around them or whoever they hire to do this is getting better and better each time. And even with this, the unicorn, which I thought was scary and hilarious at the same time, you know, was just a fun way to in- introduce a premiere and, and give us a little taste of what the season's going to be about. And so we mentioned before, too, that there's no more anachronisms. They're officially done Sort of. I got a little confused only in the fact that they fixed Paul Revere as the last one. But then there was sort of a hiccup in 1969. Did I say the right year? Am I off? One of those years. When whatever Woodstock happened, uh, they there was a massacre. And we knew this took place because even Nate's father, we'll get into that a little bit, but mentioned the massacre of Woodstock. So it. I feel like... It's going to be anachronisms on a smaller scale, just cheap, but they're going to use, uh, you know, mythical creatures this time. Is that more or less what it is, or am I kind of off base a little bit, Jeff? No, I think you're thinking in the right direction. I guess they're not calling them anachronisms because the the idea of the yeah. anachronism is, is the whole, like, history being screwed up and they have to fix that. So it looks like what they broke many seasons ago has finally been fixed and what they're doing now is focusing on all of the magical and the mystical that was unleashed with the killing of malice and uh so you could kind of consider these the new anachronisms they're just sort of the magical and the mystical that's sort of running amok in history okay that that makes sense I, i kind of figured but there is smart, I think it was smart on their part to kind of kill off the word anachronism to get away because we did have a full season of that constant word and having to do this exactly. for the greater and being remember, of time. Exactly. B- before they were aberrations. So it's like aberrations to anachronisms uh, to whatever it is that they're going to call these. Hey, good point. They're just, they're trying to recycle it, but make it better. Like the new iPhone coming out. This is, oh, this is the X. Yes. This, this is, is a uh, Legends XS. <laughs> Okay, cool. So now, but uh, one thing I thought was interesting in this episode, they really went in-depth in the relationship of Agent Sharp and Sarah. Now, initially, I was a little hesitant. I'm like, okay, where are they going to go with this? How are they going to introduce it? Because we had like one or two episodes where they they went on a date or they spent the night together. But this one, Agent Sharp wanted to go a step forward and have more of an us with her and hoping she would stay in 2018. And live together. And I thought personally, they they played it out so well. It wasn't too much. It wasn't cheesy. They're great actresses. I like where this is going, and I like the pace they're going at. Like they threw a lot initially, sort of, but then they slowed it down. You know, to kind of develop more of the relationship between you know Sarah and Sharp. Uh, what are your thoughts and reactions? You know, to this in development of the relationship. I agree with you. I like them. Their shipping name is uh, Ava Lance, and I really like them together. I feel like they have awesome chemistry. It's nice to see Sarah happy. 
romantically. Uh, you know, she's gone through a lot, and uh, it's great to see the side of her, like, opening up, you know, wanting to be a partially kept woman, as she sa said. I, I thought that was a very uh, cute moment for them together. I really like Jess McCallan, who plays Ava. I've seen her in a couple of stuff before, and uh, I, I just like the... Um, this really nice romantic chemistry that they have together. I don't know if this whole living together is going to work out. I, I guess maybe if it does, that would be kind of a unique thing for the Legends, just because we'll see a little bit more of a, a domestic life for Sarah outside of the ship, which I think is um, welcome and also earned for her as a character. She needs some sort of just regular life outside of uh, hopping and skipping through time, uh, rescuing it. So if they go that route, I really like it. But if they go the route of where she's gone, but it's a long distance type of thing, we've seen them work with that in the previous season you know ava still yeah. pops in on occasion no matter what time they're in so they still see each other nonetheless so whichever route they go i'm kind of here for it i just really like them together and i'm glad that they didn't uh, break them up and they aren't causing um, additional drama for them although it did seem at least Per Sarah, she was very worried that drama was going to come their way, but uh, by the end of the episode, it looks like they came to an understanding, and uh, and uh, Ava, you know, didn't judge her for what they did. No, no, I I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, and I, I hope they keep this pace with them. I think it'll be good just every once in a while, and not kind of force it down our throats or even rush the story because it seems like a nice development between them and if they just slowly bring it out to the season i think it could be a really nice uh storyline and maybe whenever you know dc the show's bound to end at some point you know we hope they go on forever you know i i personally think it'll end season six max seven but heck arrow's still going on i thought that was going to end like by season four so <laughs> we'll see how much uh how many more seasons they got in legends but another small relationship that was it's being toyed with now, which we kind of saw last season was the Adam uh, and uh, Nora Dark, you know, and I'm excited for that. I want to see that, especially because of the real relationship in real life. But I wonder how that will play out because, man, poor guy, he can never catch a break with any girl he tries to hook up with or they try to ship him with or they try to start with. It just always ends bad for him or doesn't even end or he's kind of left at the, the altar you know what are your predictions uh for this season for you know the adam and nora dark i ship them just because and it's probably because they are uh, married in real life their chemistry is ridiculous like the very little bits that we saw of them together in the previous season they were electric which they should be i mean they're married so i'm pretty excited to see where this goes the fact that even though it was under um hallucinogenics that ray uh revealed that he's in love with her and that uh, he really wants to help her he hopes that um uh, all of his influence uh, has, uh, you know, whatever, whatever. Like, I, I just, I'm excited for them. And uh, I hope that she has turned a new leaf. And uh, she uses this uh, get-out-of-jail-free card to her advantage and, and becomes good. Because I feel like they could be very cute together on the show. No, I, I agree 100%, you know. And we, there's still, if I'm not mistaken, there's technically still a spot open on the wave rider even including constantine if my math is correct i can't remember at the moment i think but, so yeah yeah there's still one spot because it, it should have been filled in by kid flash but since we heard you know before the season even started uh filming was he didn't want to do the show for personal reasons which is understandable life happens but i like i love the way they played it off they had a uh, oh my gosh i forgot her name sorry I mean, her name, the wind power girl, Zari, the beautiful Zari. She mentions, you know, oh, maybe we should do what the Kid Flash said, you know, take time off and, ex you know, explore the world. And then she's like, but wait, didn't he already do this before? Which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, that was good. That was very... About things they've already... Yeah, that was awesome. I was like, I, I like that. It was a good excuse, but it was a, it was a funny zing. 
Uh, just real quickly, do you think the Kid Flash will ever make a return to Legends? Or do you think, you know, because the actor personally is kind of just doing his own thing, he'll, he may never return to the Wave Rider? I wouldn't be surprised if he popped back in at some point. I don't think on a permanent basis. Maybe something like what they did with Jax uh, in the previous season. So I wouldn't count him out. I know that Keenan Lonsdale did mention over the summer that he was kind of done for now. He was on uh, an episode of The Flash, and I believe they referenced that he would be in another episode maybe of The Flash a little bit later on. Uh, I'm not too certain. Uh, I know that uh, when he said he was like leaving the role uh, over the summer, he did reference the fact that uh, it isn't goodbye, so he's open to returning at some point. So will we see him again on Legends? Will we see him again on The Flash? I guess we'll have to wait and see. I did like his um, chemistry with the cast, so I do hope that uh, he pops up at some point in a surprising way on Legends to help out. Yeah, same here. I, I like this character. I thought he, he played it well. He started to develop pretty well, but I feel like, you know, people get tired sometimes, and hopefully he finds what he's looking for and might make a cameo or two. Now, another interesting thing was I love the fact that Roy was just itching to do something, and then he decides, Nate's like, oh, I'll go with you. And Roy's like, we're going to steal this car. And they break into this beautiful looking speeding car. And Nate's like, I could have called an Uber. Okay, we're going to go rob a place. And Nate's like, I know the perfect place. They go to this beautiful looking mansion type house. They get in because Nate finds the spare key. And Roy's like, ah, smart thinking. And they go in. They're about to steal some beautiful looking whiskey. And then they're held up at gunpoint with a shotgun. By an old man. The man's like telling his wife, call the police. She's like, stop it. It's Nate. How are you? It turns out to be Nate's parents' house. And Rory's like, what the hell? I love the interaction with him and the mother. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, would you guys stay? Would you like sandwiches? You bitch your ass, I do. <laughs> I mean, it was nice to see. This one went more a little in depth into Nate's backstory. Because he... You didn't really know anything about him except what he talked about. It was never really explored. And I believe this was the first time they showed his dad. And it was nice to see... A well, little as uh, an adult in the present day, yes. Yes. Okay. Okay, yeah, correct. So then, it was nice to see that the present day Nate's past... Not past, but his current family, mom and dad. And how that interaction went and then showing his issues with his dad. And I like the it was the perfect person to have with him which was rory because as we know rory had an issue with had daddy issues growing up because of what he went through and you know he was the perfect person to relate with him and i thought it was a great interaction and great character development for nate uh what were your thoughts on that you know the whole scene when they first injured you know break into the parents house and you know how nate interacts with his dad and finally how rory is basically there for him to console him in the rory way you know, when they announced over the summer that they had cast the, uh, I guess we will call him the present day father, um, I did not know like how he was going to be involved, and I wasn't expecting any of this. Like when they broke into the house, like I literally thought it was just you know something to go along with because Nate has always kind of wanted uh, Nate and Ray. I would say both have kind of always wanted to be like bad boys with Mick. So I thought it was him like trying to bond with Mick. But then when it totally changed and it was, oh, the parents, like that's why he knew about the key. That's why they went specifically there. Like it all kind of made sense. And uh, the interactions were really cool. I love seeing Biff there as uh, Hank, or I should say Henry. And yeah. the mom was fantastic. Uh, I, I just love when he, when, um, when Mick was like, prison! And she was like, oh, he's a hoot! Like, it was just <laughs> fantastic. It was just... Good to be exactly. Mom. There was a... There was beautiful comedy there, but there was also a lot of emotions. Like, you could see on, um, on Nate's face that this was him trying to reach out and hoping that his father would be more accepting of him. And then once 
he kind of got a little bit of that under, once again, the hallucinogenics of the um, unicorn uh, spray. Uh, yeah. He, like, he got a little bit of... Um, I don't know. I don't know what you would call it, but I know it helped him a little bit because obviously it opened the door for him to return the following day and uh, to have a beer with his dad, which I think is something that he may have always wanted to do. You know, he wants to have that relationship with him, as he referenced uh, life growing up with him. A lot of people saw his dad as the, like a hero, as like the man, and for him, he you know his relationship with his father has always been so cold. So it looks like the coldness maybe might start thawing a little bit and i'm kind of hopeful that uh that he ends up confessing to his father about being a legend and uh i hope that he's like you remember all those years ago you know because he interacted with his father right or was it his grandfather it was his grandfather it was his grandfather wasn't his father also there at one point or was it oh it was just the grandfather right no, yeah, it was just the grandfather and then the... Oh, and, and he saw himself, the... is yeah, what it was, he... right? Yeah. Okay, so he can't tell him about that, but maybe he can share stories about the grandfather or something like that. You know, something to connect them a little bit more about what's going on in his present world and uh, to maybe cement the bond a little bit more. But uh, I liked it. I thought this was a, a lot of the emotional impact of the episode. There was something else that happens that I feel it was also the emotional impact of the episode. So um, I liked it. Right, and I thought it was interesting only because, if I'm not mistaken, Nate's father had an issue with his dad because didn't the when the timeline changed or they went to the past, Commander Steel had to go in, into hiding. So then wasn't he not there? And his father had an issue with that. So, so basically, Nate, I guess in turn, had an issue with his dad because his dad was never really there. Yes. So it, it kind of makes sense, a little, the stepladder, and it makes sense why this relationship is so cold. But speaking of hallucinating, as you mentioned earlier, the biggest scene of this episode was going to Woodstock. And I felt like, I thought it was going to be super cheesy, super, I thought it was going to be dumb, I'll be honest with you. I was like, oh, how are they going to pull this off to make it fit nicely and not have the generic old school Japanese in the woods type of, you know, looking feel where it looks really cheap and okay. But honestly, it looked really nice it looked good the interaction seemed pretty authentic if you compare it to you know the old school hippie movies or whatever they they showed back then or during the vietnam era it was really i thought it was good overall it was a good setup it was perfect for the unicorn which makes beautiful sense and after they hallucinated my favorite part was rory looking at nate looking at his hamster i mean his pet rat and the pet rat telling him i love you and then Rory replying, "I love you too." Uh, what are you, what were some of your favorite scenes from the hallucinating Woodstock times for the legends? Oh, that was spectacular! Yeah, th there were a lot of really great moments. Uh, that was a really good moment. Uh, I loved how Azari just you know because like she started off like what's a hippie and like she really got into like the whole peace and love and the light and the ooh and all that kind of stuff i really liked seeing that i just thought it was funny and um i thought she handled the comedic side of that really well and then uh, just the visual like at the end of it all like they all reunite in their drug-induced haze and you just see well before that happens like ray sees nora you know as like uh almost like a damsel in distress or like a, a hippie in distress or whatever. And we find out that he's been making out with the tree. Like, I just, I love that. The visual was humor he, was, was perfect. In time? I thought he was humping it for a little bit. I swear for one scene. Maybe in the version you saw, or maybe, <laughs> maybe that was just in your mind. Or thrust. I swear he was thrusting the tree. Like, a, I don't know. I gotta look back at it, but no, you brought up really good points that I like when they ironically all come together to have that kind of hippie experience together, but separate at the same time because they have no idea what the other person's doing or that they're actually there. And it was interesting that the unicorn could do that to them. And then who is the person that's going to stop this a mythical creature? The one and only John Constantine. Now, I like I like when they go in for his help and you know request his help. And it's interesting how initially he doesn't want a team or need a team. Him and Sarah have that back and forth, you know, him being really unsure. 
But in the end, he goes in to help and he enlists the legend's skills to steal the items he needs. Now, I want to mention one scene I thought was hilarious was when uh, Ray was trying to steal a piece of hair from the woman and she cut her hair. Right? It was hair or necklace? Can't remember. It was a hair. Her hair. Right? Janice Joplin, yeah. Her- Man, she, she, not only is she high, she has still the motor skills to catch the piece of hair and then see a little robot, like, pulling her hair, and she just laughs it off. I thought that scene was amazing. It was hilarious. So then they get all these items together, they give it to John, and they're missing a virgin. Now, what's the name of this episode again? That's right, the Virgin Gary. So they get Gary, who's a guaranteed virgin, apparently. Although... He did do a little something-something with Constantine. He did? You didn't hear that line? I did not. Are you, sh- the- are you sure I'm a virgin after what we did? And Constantine's like, yeah, yeah. Hey, if there's no... I'll, I'll, I'll leave that alone. I'm not gonna... If there's no penetration, it's not... He's a virgin. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. That's all I can say. So that's probably why he said that. But, uh, so they get... The as we quote unquote virgin of Gary, and they set him up to essentially be the bait for this unicorn. The unicorn comes in, awesome effects, it looks great. But man, I thought this scene was intense only because it's getting closer, and that's when you see these horrific demon looking teeth coming out of its mouth, getting closer to Gary. You have Constantine reciting his spell and finally getting. The spell uh, to come out looking like uh, Doctor Strange in the Avengers movie. Big circle coming up and starts sucking in this... uh, I'm going to call it a demon unicorn because as we saw, it pulled out its beautiful looking facade of a horn and rainbows and white skin to this demon demonic apocalyptic, you know, four horsemen looking horse. And that looked freaking awesome. I... And, and as you mentioned, you know, this is the type of budget they have, you know, for, you know, for this episode. I wonder what they can do going further. Mm-hmm. Tell me what your thoughts were in this entire scene, which I thought was brilliantly done and well executed and visually amazing. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, totally. I echo everything that you said. Uh, what's really interesting about the Gary char- character, I feel like, I mean, we don't have our other podcasters here, but I feel like we can all say that we've all kind of fallen in love with the character. Yeah, I mean, he could have been just that really annoying character, but and he was at the beginning, but they've made him very empathetic. We made, They made him comedic, and I think it's the comedy because comedy is, uh, you know, usually something uh, universally unifying. The comedy with him has turned him into, at least in my opinion, a very beloved character. And I love seeing him pop up. The fact that the episode was named after him. The fact that they used him as bait. The fact that he had some just really brilliantly comedic moments with the cast throughout the episode i just loved what they did with gary this episode his fandom over constantine is very precious and uh just everything with the unicorn i was very worried for him i mean he lost a nipple um so i guess there's that uh, <laughs> but like when when the the demon corn uh chomped on him i was like are we gonna lose gary in this episode like i was very worried for him uh, at that part so i'm glad that everyone even though they kind of like roll his roll their eyes at him and shrug him off they all did uh help him and uh it was a really great moment for the team as well as for gary no i i agree too i thought man they're really gonna kill off gary or is it gonna get sucked into like the hell portal and they gotta go the hell dimension and they have to go after him i thought they're gonna go that way which would have been pretty crazy like right off the bat damn they gotta go into a hell dimension to get poor gary back <laughs> but it was it was surprised they only took the nipple and he was okay just bleeding hey he i gotta give this guy credit man he had his balls he stood there got bit and was like cool about it almost like okay i'm fine i'm still alive <laughs> i gotta give gary c- credit because yeah i didn't like him at first but he's grown on me a lot he, he's funny they give him just enough to be funny and not too annoying mm-hmm. and That's he's not true. there for very long so it's not 
yeah, there's there's no uh, they're not flooding you with all these Gary moments and lines and cameos and it's just you know bits and pieces which works for now. Which you know I think going forward they're gonna keep that you know that uh, that little spark that he has going on like that little little uh, bits and moments of humor here and there from a different person, which is not on the Legends team. He's kind of like a unofficial legend i would say at this point oh the moment where she was like where sarah's like you know he's an interim legend and he was like i'm an interim legend like he was so stoked like he's dying to be considered a legend (laughs) so i I like it like as you mentioned they could easily make this character corny but i feel like they have now figured out uh, i don't want to say now as in this episode i would say maybe towards the latter half of the previous season they kind of figured out the right way to balance him and the right way to uh, use him to like the perfect effect no i agree totally yeah they 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 dance on the line of corniness and legit humor and they're he does it he pulls it off well now one of the last parts we saw in this is that John Constantine is in his apartment and all of a sudden is attacked by a demon. And it's a pretty strong demon, whatever it is, because he has a hard time even dealing with it to the point where it just screws around with him and lets him go and writes him blood on the mirror saying, you know, I'm coming for you, John. Johnny. Which I thought was interesting. I never heard John Constantine be called Johnny, but, you know... I like that it's already hinting towards the mythical. And as you mentioned earlier in the next coming episode, you know, we have an evil godmother. But, you know, any quick speculation on who or what that was or what it it could be foreshadowing for John? Honestly, no. Just because I don't know much about the comic books and uh, John Constantine, period. Uh, I feel like this is probably a debt that he has to pay. I do know that Constantine, you know, on occasion, uh, you know, makes deals and stuff. So maybe this is a deal that's come back to haunt him. I was a fan of the Constantine show that ran for one season on NBC. And from what they've done so far with Constantine on this show... I do feel like they're following a little bit with the continuity from that show because little things that's been referenced on here and on Arrow when Constantine has guested kind of makes me believe that uh, they have like kind of retconned the Constantine show into the Arrowverse and... uh, Something that always bothered him in that show was uh, he lost a little girl in a possession case in the UK, and uh, that uh, showed up a lot on the original series. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of that mythological element comes back here, and we learn a lot more in this season, especially since Constantine is a series regular now, and uh, we will be seeing him a lot. I would not be surprised, even though he was like, I'm not going on the Wave Rider, I don't do teams and all this kind of stuff. I would not be surprised if um, he ends up joining the team and is on the Wave Rider. So, since he will be a part of the team, and it's all the magical, the mystical, the supernatural, he's going to be one of the ones at the forefront fighting this, we're going to have to get some information on him. And uh, I hope that they answer some of the questions of what has been going on with him between the original Constantine series and now, and maybe we'll get some sort of, um, some sort of uh, answers to uh, this case about the girl. Because if I'm not mistaken, even though I don't know much about the comics in Constantine, I do know that in the comics there is this case about the girl that he lost to a demon or to hell or something like that. And like the demon always returns and taunts him about it. So maybe this has to deal with that. That'll be interesting. And, you know, uh, going forward, you know, they actually go more in-depth into his backstory considering... You, you would have a lot of viewers that have not seen the first season of uh, Constantine. And I bring this up because I have a final question for you before we move on to our final, other final questions about MVP and the rate the episode is, do you think if this season does well enough and hopefully this 
<laughs> the viewership isn't foreshadowing this season, but do you think there's a possibility that John Constantine, at the end of the season, when he's hopefully they wrap everything up, would get his uh, own show back, but on the CW? Personally, I would love to see that. I think the actor does a really good job of portraying Constantine, and uh, I, I think his own series would be very interesting, especially if it's sort of tied into the Arrowverse. I, I think it would be pretty neat. I kind of feel like the CW is sort of looking at the future of its comic book shows. So I would not be surprised if a Constantine series isn't in the shuffle. Uh, as we all know, you know, there's a Batwoman series that will be coming. She's going to be introduced during uh, the annual crossover event. That crossover does not include the Legends. Correct, yes. But it's the annual Arrowverse crossover event. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, there are rumors of a potential Superman series uh, De- not I, debuting, but uh, that the CW is thinking about a Superman series with uh, the actor that plays Superman over on Supergirl. And there's also the rumors. Well, it isn't a rumor. They are officially going to be bringing Lex Luthor into Supergirl. And I'm sure if yeah. there's a Superman series, Lex Luthor will be involved in both or, you know, he'll move over to the other one. So the fact that they're thinking about well, I can't say thinking. The fact that they are bringing Batwoman, the fact that ugh, I can't even talk. The fact that they're thinking about Superman means that they're thinking about the future of these shows. Now, does that mean some of them will get canceled? Does it mean some of them will? Um, some of these will be sort of maybe shorter run mid-season shows. Does it mean that uh, they're thinking of some of the older shows retiring? I don't know. Numbers, as far as ratings, have been low all around. I think as long as a show is stable in its ratings throughout the season, that kind of gives it a good chance of it being renewed. All of these Arrowverse shows, period, make a lot of money for the CW. So I do think if they were to cancel it, from what I've seen in the past on the CW, they usually do give a series a final season. They've done that before with uh, a lot of shows that I don't watch, like Rain and The Originals and Vampire Diaries and Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So we also have to think about that because Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Jane the Virgin are ending this year, so they will have two additional hours open. So maybe those two new shows might fit those two hours, or maybe they might be thinking of retiring some other series. I guess we're going to have to wait and see. This is a very long answer just to tell you that, yes, I would love to see a Constantine series. <laughs> see, what I was thinking is I, I give it a 50-50 chance, only because once it's already technically failed before, but it could have been on, it was on the wrong network. And two, if they feel there's already so many superhero shows they don't want to be either give the audience superhero fatigue or superhero over, over overload they could just leave constantine on the wave rider or just make him a semi-series regular throughout the season just that they need you know they need him for a few episodes here and there i could see him returning and i could not only because as you mentioned they're looking at a batwoman uh series which is interesting because it's going to be in an another dimension in an else world you know what i mean so it's not going to be well we don't know that officially they're not going to be in the same universe. well i'm gonna i'm gonna call it now because if they're going to use else worlds which is a famous one-off hits that dc would do for just one-off stories that were there was no continuity kind of like the dragon ball z movies correct they are doing else worlds but i feel like there the has first- to be some connection just because if not, I, reason- stylistically, it's going to look like Gotham or something. And uh, well, I, I, I feel like they kind of have to... They don't want to go that route. Um, what I think could happen, and, and this is just pure speculation, because I'm of the ilk that wants it to connect to the Arrowverse. Uh, because in my mind, she's going to be on the Earth of Supergirl. That's what I'm thinking, and I hope that that's the route that they go. What I think could be what they're doing is, yes, they're in an alternate world. Yes, uh, they're they're on, I guess, a different Earth. 
you know, maybe for some reason one of the characters gets, uh, falls into some sort of, um, um, I don't remember what they call them on the Flash. Um, like, uh, what did they used to call them on the Flash? When Savitar used to jump through and then they, they had to, like, search for, for whatever. It was like a, uh, like a portal type of thing. Like, maybe she accidentally, someone, I'm saying she because in my mind it's going to be Lois Lane, but let's say Lois Lane, you know, falls into, learns about the multiverse and falls into some sort of schism somewhere that leads her into this Elseworlds Earth. And so she's has, she has to be saved by some of our favorite characters, like, you know, let's say you know, Superman collects Supergirl and Batwoman and uh, uh, Oliver Queen and uh, Barry Allen as the Flash, and they all go and save them. The reason I'm saying this is because, and I'm trying not to get too deep into spoilers and that kind of stuff in case no one really wants to know spoilers, but there have been images that have been leaked, and there have been images of our characters, let's say, in different suits, but there have also been images of our characters in their normal suits. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's the type of situation where they, our people, the ones that we know, meet their Elseworld doppelgangers. Now, could they go the other route, the route that which in which you're saying where it's just a completely standalone type of thing, we don't see any of our regular characters, and it's its own Elseworlds thing? Maybe. And maybe they'll go that route as well. I, For me, I won't have a, an official opinion on what I think of that until I actually see how they do it. Um, but either way, I think it's an interesting concept nonetheless. And we went way off oh. topic. No worries, it's fine, but it, you know, going forward, it's something to look forward to throughout the season. I mean, not so much for the Legends, but I know we're going to have our own little Yeah, we're going to have like a weird, type. they announced it like a weird crossover type of thing. I wouldn't be surprised if it's that the Legends have to go back into the past at an event, kind of like what we saw before, where they had to go and maybe alter something. Like maybe we'll see them visit an episode from the past, and this time around, there's some sort of mythical being there that's messing things up. That's true. It'll be interesting. And with that, well, who was your MVP, the most valuable player? Which character impressed you the most, and why, Jeff? Oh. Who was your character? Right. Okay, I get to go first, uh, which is exciting. But um, since it's just the two of us, just it, the two of us. I know it makes it even more difficult. Good grief. Um. Okay. Overall, throughout this episode, the character that impressed me the most, I'm going to give it to, and it's a character that I don't think I would have said would have been my MVP last season just because uh, they kind of had him stuck in uh, the romantic co-lead. I'm going to give it to Nate. I really like what they're doing with the character. I have no idea where his arc is going to go throughout the rest of the season, but I did like what they did with him in this episode. I like the emotional heft that they gave the actor. He's usually more comedic, but he certainly stepped up to the plate and uh knocked it out the park in this episode and uh, i'm really digging where nate's going so uh, i look forward to seeing what they do with him next so my mvp is nate all right all right good choice good choice um yeah for my choice i mean typically it would be sarah but i feel like i have many more opportunities to choose her later this season i'm gonna choose mick because I'm still extremely impressed for a character they really spend little time with. But the time that they do, he makes the most of it with his execution of his lines and the character he portrays. And when he's brooding, when he's funny, when he's, you know, being honest and they, they laugh at it or they just, you know, they either scared of him or they welcome him with open arms, even though he says the most dangerous things. Uh, it's got to be Mick. He's I'm still impressed with, with the so little they give this guy he makes the most out of it talking about you know turning lemons into lemonade so for me my mvp is mcrory all right next we'll rate the episode would we rate the episode on a scale of one to ten wave riders and we know if you want to give it more than 10 you give it the coveted golden wave rider i'll go first it was honestly a good episode all around i just 
would like more, even though this did give us a good amount, but I'd give it a solid nine. That's my rating for it. It was a very good, fun episode that I could watch again. I always base it on if I could rewatch this alone or again or have it as background noise to watch. And I give this a good nine. Jeff, what is your rating, sir? You know what? I love how restrained you are because I agree with what you said. It's a very good episode. Maybe it's the, the, the wonderful feeling of like seeing your friends, you know, after a, a long summer that you haven't seen them, you know, you know, you're going back to school and you're seeing your friends again and, and you're happy and whatnot. But I'm going to give it the Golden Wave Rider. I really like this episode. It is immediately and instantly rewatchable. It's a lot of fun. It's hilarious. It's a little campy. It's a little crazy. It's a little naughty. It's it's um, It's got a lot of heart and it's got a lot of emotion. And uh, they balanced everybody out in the episode really well. I know it's the premiere and, and usually they, they have to do that in the premiere, you know, catch us up with where everyone is. And I thought they did a really great job with that so for all those reasons and so much more and and to be quite honest just my excitement for the rest of the season i am going to give it a golden wave rider all right all right we got the first golden wave rider of the season thanks to jeff it was a good episode i I give it that it's a very good well-rounded episode and that's what i liked about it i still gave it a nine just i want to be picky but it was a good good episode as you mentioned all right then that's all for now my beautiful friends join us next time for a brand new installment of time masters once again here's our announcer gideon to remind you how you can interact with us thank you captain like us on facebook facebook.com slash p c r time masters follow perpetual radio on social media we are on facebook instagram tumblr twitter and youtube at perpetual radio do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at perpetualoradio.com. Help support Perpetulo Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash perpetualoradio. Are you interested in joining the Perpetulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at perpetualoradio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Perpetulo Radio programs by visiting perpetualoradio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Time Masters and subscribe. Back to you, my captain. Mucho gracias, Gideon. Co-hosts, in this case, Mr. Jeff, wish the listeners a good night. Good night, listeners. Thanks again for tuning in. Download new episodes of Time Masters every Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Puppy Chulo Radio Archives. Good night, people.